Okay. Ah, oh, you know what? Exam's coming up. Ah, oh, so stressed out. All right, I feel like I have. Is that a common problem, guys? Yeah. Stress. Stress. Yes. That's one of the topics, actually. That's actually one of the top 100 topics, right? Is actually stress. So. <laughs> and so is actually stress, right? Um. Oh man, this headache is just killing me. It's killing me. Is that a common condition, guys? Are we talking about a common condition? Yes. Now, let me ask you guys this question. Can it be signs of a life-threatening illness? Exactly, right? We know most of the time, is it the signs of a life-threatening illness? No, right? But we know that in a minority of patients, we know that it could be the sign of a very, very, uh, um, a very, you know, a very, very ominous condition, right? Or a very, set of very, very ominous conditions or so. So when we talk about headache, I'm going to throw a word in there, and it's going to be called our approach to headache, red flags. What did I say, folks? I said... What is going to, what when you hear, what historical or physical exam points are going to make you think, uh-uh, this isn't just your regular old run-of-the-mill headache. Does that make Excellent, right? Stun nonsense. Thunderclap headache. Worst headache of my life. Give me some other stuff. Huh? Fever, right? Right? That can be a meningitis, uh, 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 right? Focal neurological signs, right? So if you have a headache and you have a focal neurological sign, that is going to be pretty concerning, right? Right? Excellent. Decreased level of consciousness, right? A change in mental status, right? Excellent, excellent, right? So some good things there, guys, right? So, so those, those are your list that is going to be your red flags. What, did I, what kind of flags, guys, did I say I said? Red flags. So if you have those red flags, uh, um, um, symptoms, I know I'm going to need to do more urgent investigations. Does that make sense? Let's talk about some of those red flags, some of those diagnoses. So you guys mentioned sudden thunderclap headache, worst headache of your life. Okay. Subarachnoid hemorrhage, right? Can that kill you? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So subarachnoid hemorrhage, you know what I mean? Kind of worst headache of your life. What's the deal with subarachnoid hemorrhages, right? Remember, oftentimes you get... You get the initial bleed, and then if that doesn't, you, a lot of people die from that. But if you don't die from that, what kills you is the? Yeah, yeah, the first one is a sentinel bleed, right? If that one doesn't kill you, because right? a lot of people just, they don't make it to hospital, right? Right, we, did, we, we I, get the, I get the information as coroner, and they say, oh, look, they had a subarachnoid. Does that make sense? That burst, and that's what, uh, and that's what um, um, did. It's the re-bleed. Does that make sense? So in that early period, you have a good, um, um, there, you know, there's an appreciable risk of re-bleed, and that can be what kills you, right? So if I have a subarachnoid hemorrhage, and I make it to the emergency department, I've already probably had a bleed, right? It's the re-bleed that can kill me, right? And that's what we're trying to, that's what we're trying to, um, that's what we're trying to catch. Okay, for subarachnoid, what is that person going to need? Like, like in terms of, in terms of management, let's say we're thinking investigations. Good, neurosurgical consultation, right? What else are you going to do, eh? Good. Excellent, right? So you, you're going to do a CT and, uh, and, and, and if negative, do an LP. Does that make sense? All right. And only if it's within the first six hours. So if you catch the headache and it's within six hours of the onset, then you're likely, okay, if it's beyond that, you should still probably do. Dr. Perry and I did that study and stuff, right? He's a big fan of, uh, he's an eMERGE doctor there. He's a big fan of uh, kind of clinical decision rules, right? So he's, he's actually working. It's actually really interesting. It's, it's a neat little clinical prediction rule for you have somebody that comes inside with the worst headache of your life. Because think about it, 95% of the time people come in with that, they don't have a subarachnoid, right? and they are having the worst headache of their life, it's the worst headache in the world, and you do all the investigations, everything's negative, right? The majority of the times, that's what they come in, but you don't want to miss the 5 6%. Does 
Does that make sense? So he's coming up with a series of clinical prediction rules so that if the person doesn't have these four criteria, then you don't need, then they're not having a subarachnoid hemorrhage, right? Even though they're presenting with the worst headache of their life. So within six hours, you don't have to be able to? No, within the C, within, with a, with, if you're using a second generation CT, like a newer CT, right? Right, so it doesn't apply, you know, if you're using at a hospital where they had their CT from 30 years ago, right? If it's within the first six hours, right, you likely don't need to LP. The sensitivity is high enough, and especially that you can rule it out on the base just in the first six hours. That's on headache presentation. Remember, oftentimes people don't present within six hours, right? They're, they've been like this for a day or two. Does that make sense? And they're coming in. They've tried some Advil. They've tried some Tylenol. It's not working, right? We good so far? Okay. So we're going to do neurosurgical consultation. What's a neurosurgeon going to do? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Look at that answer. Please delete that from the recording. <laughs> Look at that. Probably nothing. We'll watch this one, right? <laughs> How they doing? How's their GCS? It's great. Let's not do anything. <laughs> Good, right? So, so what they're going to do is they're going to make a decision whether or not they're going to clip or coil. Does that make sense? So they're going to have a they're going to they're going to sit down with their friends, the interventional radiologist, and depending on the certain features of the aneurysm, the size, where it is. Oh, well, I thought we were still talking about subarachnoid. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, subarachnoid. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's what. Uh, um, and if and if it was an aneurysm cause, that's what they're going to that's what they're going to do. Right. So they're going to sit down with the interventional radiologist and kind of discuss if there's a clipping or a coiling case. We're good so far. That's all you need to know about that. We good so far? All right. Give me another bad thing that can happen with a headache. Meningitis. Good stuff. All right. So that can present, right? What's a common cause? Like meningitis, right? In, uh, um, that's going to often present with, you know, it can present with fever. You might get, you know, decreased level of consciousness. You can get some neck stiffness, right? It's really bad. You can even get, you know, neurological signs and symptoms, right? How am I going to diagnose that? LP, right? So I can see pleocytosis on the LP. I can see a positive culture, right? What do I get from meningitis? Everybody knows one. I get good, good, right? So you can give and yeah, vancomycin. What else? What else do you consider giving? Huh? You could, but what else? Dex, someone mentioned it. Dexamethasone, right? Corticosteroids. Exactly. Yeah. So so there's there's what you can consider doing. Is dexamethasone, right? Dexamethasone is a corticosteroid, and it's thought to reduce rates of... Because remember, people can have meningitis, and remember, secondarily, you can get tons of complications, right? Like hearing loss and that type of thing, right? So it's thought to decrease the rates of those. So in a select group of people, you'll consider about giving dexamethasone or so, right? And in children, uh, you'll consider it as well. So antibiotics, consider dexamethasone. Are we good so far? I usually like vanc, ceftriaxone, some ampicillin, some acyclovir. They'll go off to infectious, you know what I mean? And then... People usually feel better after a couple of days. You know, we call Thunder Bay. Thunder Bay says it has no beds. <laughs> and then we can keep the patients who look better. You know what I mean? So um, that's, usually how, uh, that's, how, that's usually how you'd uh, do for meningitis. So antibiotics, remember those corticosteroids, right? Consider corticosteroids. All right, dexamethasone. Good stuff. Give me another diagnosis that I don't want to miss on headache. Brain tumor. Good, brain tumor. How can they present, classically speaking? Yeah, make it focal neurological signs. May develop a partial seizure as well, too, right? If you have a mass at a part of your brain, you might get a partial seizure, right? Give me something else, guys. You know? Yeah. Sorry? Yeah, worsening in, in its classical state, you know what I mean? A, he a headache that's worse in the morning, right? You know, it's kind of classically defined as that. I, I'm not sure if... Uh, if um, 
you know, that's been rigorously, rigorously studied, but it's something that we all memorize in the textbook, right? All right, how are we going to diagnose that or have an idea that that's what's going on? Right. Exactly, CT, MRI, right? right? Oftentimes, what else can give you a mass effect in the brain? So there's tumor, right? What else can give you... Sorry? Uh, yeah, let's see. What else can what else can you get? Let me give you a little question here. I might... Huh? Abscess, right? If I say that this patient has HIV, right? So there's a little bug called toxoplasmosis. What did I say, guys? Loves to give people intracerebral abscesses, right? When I go to Haiti, we see a number of people with that, right? Well, I shouldn't say that, right? They come inside and they have, they might have recurrent seizures, and it might be a focal, you know, a focal seizure, and you might say, okay, maybe this is toxoplasmosis, right? And is that an opportunistic infection in HIV? Yes. So you see, I can change up that question, and I can make it a totally different answer, right? I can say you have this patient on HIV therapy, not compliant with their medication, right? And they come inside with this headache, and it's been going on for this. What would be on your differential? We're good so far? So keep in mind abscess as well. All right. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So trauma. Usually trauma itself, like there's, there's usually a mechanism. You know, you get that from the history. You know what I mean? Like the person's in a car accident. The person fell from a building. You know what I mean? Let's, let's, let's for this talk exclude trauma from the, uh, from the, from the, from the, from the, because of course if you have a trauma and, uh, you know, our CT head rules and stuff are going to guide us on when we image, uh, when we, uh, when we image them. Good. Give me another diagnosis. Anything else you can think of? Temporal artery. Good. Temporal arteritis. Can that give you a headache? Yes. Yes. Okay, temporal arteritis. It's a large vessel vasculitis condition. Okay, big deal, right? You have a little vasculitis. Excellent, right? Is it a big deal? Yes. You can, you can knock off a branch of your ophthalmic artery, right? Remember, it takes a branch off of that, and you can go blind, right? So what, 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 what is the characteristic patient with that that you might think about? Elderly. Elderly. So about 50 years old, right? Yeah, polymyalgia, rheumatica, right? Right? We have an elevated ESR. Sorry? A PMR and stuff? I'm not sure the exact number. Yeah. I, I, it's not many. Like, it's not many. It's an association, right? Like, it's not like 80% of people with PMR are going to develop this, right? You know what? I think the PMR tends to, like, it's more of a historic. I know we've had patients that have had, temp, that have had it, and they have had no PMR. Like, they haven't, in fact, the four people that I've seen with it, you know, none of them had PMR. Like, so, you know, with PMR. Yeah. 50% of temporal arteritis have PMR, but only 15% of PMR get temporal arteritis. Temporal arteritis, yeah. So. Huh? <laughs> so you can Yeah, you're going to have PMR later on at some point. Yeah, 10 to, yeah. So, you know with that? How do we treat that? How do we treat polymyalgia? Good, steroids, right? Yeah, so you're going to give prednisone, that type of thing, right? You're going to make sure that you use those things. You're going to wait on that? You're going to wait for biopsies and that type of thing? No, you're just going to treat it, right? You're going to treat it because try to get, I want you guys to challenge something. You know, when you're at work next, try to call up somebody and say, hi, I need to get a temporal artery biopsy stat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not kind of difficult, right? The fastest I've been able to get one is three and a half weeks. Does that make sense? <laughs> so oftentimes you end up treating this. Oftentimes you end up treating this uh, um, um, before you actually 100% confirm the diagnosis. You think of another thing that can cause bad headaches? Yeah, this is pretty comprehensive there. Yeah, make it. <laughs>
Yeah. So that's good. That's very good. So the key is when you, your red flags are geared towards what's your probability or what's the probability that this that this person presenting with a headache is going to present with one of those diagnoses. Does that make sense? Now, thank God, do most people have one of those things? No. Most people have another type of headache. So let's range them into other types of headaches, right? So give me another type of headache that's very, very common. Right? Migraine. Does that make sense? What does migraine feel like, guys? Pulsatile, throbbing, pounding. Excellent. Photophobia. Unilateral. Do you get nausea and vomiting? Good. So that affects the roots you give medications, right? So if I write on the examination that, you know what I mean, this person's nausea and vomiting and stuff, you know, you're going to probably, you're not going to forget to maybe give them something to an ultimate root, right? So they don't just puke it up, right? All right. So nausea, vomiting, right? It's, it, give me another type of headache. So that's migraine, right? Let's talk. Uh, cluster headaches. What is a cluster headache? Talk about that. Exactly. So you get a lot of autonomic symptoms. You can get conjunctival injection. You can get a lot of runny nose, that type of thing. Plus, what is the type of headache like? Is it intense or not too bad? Totally intense. And what's some of the features of a cluster headache, right? Do you get them? Like, is it like a migraine? How long does a migraine last? Like five minutes, ten minutes? No. It can last hours, if not days. Does that make sense? What about a cluster headache? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So usually it's like minutes to a couple hours. Does that make sense? Right? Then you'll go away. But why do we call it cluster? Because you get them in clusters, and do you just have one a day? You can have many of these per day. Does that make sense? All right. Okay. We're going to spend a little bit of time on migraine. I just want to talk about cluster headaches and another and, and, uh, and, and tension headaches, just to give you guys a little bit. So management. How do we manage cluster headaches? Good. Oxygen. Excellent. What else can I get for cluster headaches? Excellent. Triptan. So you can break up headaches into, into acute treatment and then potentially abortive treatment. Does that make sense? Yeah, right? Um, uh, um, you can. There's more evidence for sumatriptan and there's more evidence for oxygen, right? Um, uh, um, uh, more evidence for sumatriptan, more evidence for, uh, for oxygen. Um, so you can, you can use those agents. Those are very good agents to use. What can I use for prevention? Right? So sometimes we actually use calcium channel blockers like verapamil, right? There'll actually be some evidence for using them for prevention. I just want to mention that briefly. Does that make sense? Because they're not going to, that's just that. Remember, these things are under this category of, of, of trigeminal autonomic cephalasias, right? So there's, there's thing, these conditions called, don't worry about these, but things like paroxysmal hemicrania and sunct and suna headaches. They're kind of related to the trigeminal nerve, right? So they kind of always, they all give that characteristic pattern. An intense headache, periorbitally, it lasts a period of time and then it goes away and you get multiple episodes and they all tend to cluster around another. Guys, is lifestyle management going to be important? Yeah, so things like diet, exercise, avoiding, trigger. Everybody repeat that word. Trigger, identification. What did I say? Trigger. Excellent. Trigger identification is fantastic, right? You want to make sure what is your triggers, right? What is triggering this particular, um, um, what are triggering these particular attacks, right? Right? What are the lifestyle? Let's say if I say, yeah, man, I really love my Jack Daniels, man. Why do I have these cluster headaches, right? Probably not a good idea, Right? Right? So other general lifestyle. Can these things be associated with stress as well, too? Yeah. Exactly, right? So stress reduction, those types of things are going to be important, right? Excellent. All right. Tension headaches. Are those things very common, guys? Exactly. Oh, I feel one starting right now. <laughs> feel one starting right now, guys. So tension tighten headaches, they can be extremely common as well. Tell me about those. How do those look? Yeah, band-like tightness. Huh? 
occipital, right? Yeah, a lot of muscle tension as well, too. How long do they last? Like, do they last a few seconds, like a, a few minutes to a couple hours, like a cluster no, headache? All day. Exactly, exactly. You can get them for hours, right? You can get them for, uh, for, for, for hours. How do we treat those? Remember, break it up into lifestyle. Lifestyle's all the same. Does that make sense? Trigger identification, you know, diet, exercise, those types of things, right? 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 Uh, um, uh, trigger identification, diet, exercise. What kind of medications can I use for pharmacologic management? Good, good, right? So you can use your basic analgesics, right? You have to be careful. What can, what can acetaminophen cause if you take too much of it? Exactly. You can get a rebound headache, right? So you want to, you know, and how many of us have ever heard of this old migraine medication called Fiorinol? Do you guys remember that? Uh, ever, anybody ever hear that? It's like barbiturate and all this stuff that they don't use anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it, it was actually the worst for, it was actually the worst for those types of headaches. Like it was honestly the worst. You get so much a high potential of getting a rebound headache. And then you have problems because the people have rebound headaches that are probably worse than the original headache. And they won't stop. They've reinforced, oh no, I take Tylenol for my headaches. I take Tylenol for my headaches. Those types of things. We're good at this so far? All right. Do so you just want to know a little bit? Yep. More well known that it's better, it's better, it's more, you're more likely to get it with acetaminophen than with ibuprofen, right? Than with NSAIDs, right? NSAIDs are not impossible to get it, right? But the rates are higher with acetaminophen than with, uh, than with, uh, than with NSAIDs or so, right? So you always want to keep that in mind, a medication withdrawal headache. Sometimes those people can be very, very hard to manage, right? I've had patients that I've actually had to bring into hospital, you have to get them on, you know, tricyclics and try to wean things down with some ergot, those types of things. But they can be, they can be difficult to manage, right? Because you want to, you want to, you're trying to wean them off that medication, right? We good so far? I just want to mention, I just want to mention those because we're going to focus on migraines. Yes? Oh, never mind. I didn't say it. Okay. Yes. Let's go with migraines. All right. Are migraines... You know, are migraines common? Yeah. Can they be debilitating, guys? Exactly, right? I.e., if you have a Sue and they say, yeah, I'm having four migraines a month, is that something you should be like, oh, is that something pretty serious? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because what does it do? Everybody says the F word, not that F word, but function. What did I say? Function. Excellent. If you're having a migraine, how long, are these headaches intense? Fairly intense, right? And how long do they last? Like, they don't just last five minutes and go away with some Tylenol. They can last hours to a couple to days. Does that make sense? Yeah. So imagine if that's happening three to four times a month and you do not know when that's going to happen. Would that be kind of a drag, guys? That would be a serious, serious drag, right? So there's a huge, huge functional impairment or functional, um, uh, uh, that can affect people's functioning, right? And that's why if someone's having more than a couple migraine, one to two migraines a month, you really want to consider prophylactic therapy, right? Because that is, that is a seriously, seriously impacting. Imagine if every month you know that you're going to take three to four days off work, but you don't know when those three to four days off, right? Your employer might have issues with that, right? So it's really going to affect, uh, um, affect a lot of things. Okay, so you suffer from migraines. Right? We talked about what some of the clinical features are. We talked about what some of the clinical, um, uh, uh, um, some, some of the clinical uh, features are. All right, what am I going to do? Lifestyle modification, guys. Is that, is that still important? The answer is? Exactly, right? Trigger identification. Is that important? Trigger identification is super, super important. Everybody say trigger identification is super important? Yes. What triggers your migraine? Come up with a headache diary. What kind of diary you should you do? Headache? headache Excellent, right? So you're looking at trigger identification, right? Right? There's certain lifestyle modification things like, you know, smoking is probably not the best thing to do, and you want to get more di um, uh, um, dietary alterations and exercise. You know, those can all be helpful as well too, right? Do you think if you're depressed, you know, if you have depression, we're going to talk about some mental health stuff in a minute, right? We're going to talk about, you think if you're depressed, 
You know that's going to help with your migraines? Probably not, right? We good so far? Let's rock on. Okay, so we can break up pharmacologic management of migraines into two categories. How many guys? How many? How many guys? How many categories? There we go. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So we have abortive, right? And we have prophylactic. What are those two categories? Repeat them. And excellent, right? So if you're having more than one to two attacks a month, you want to consider prophylactic therapy. Does that make sense? If you have one migraine in six or seven months, that person might just be okay with some, with some PRN um, uh, uh, um, as needed abortive medication, right? The thing is, you don't want to have the situation where you get a question and it's, the, yeah, I'm suffering from like five to six migraines a month. I'm missing like 18 days of work, doctor. Um, you know, and you say, okay, take some Advil. And you know what I mean? That's wrong. Does that make sense? Because you have to make sure that is a huge, 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 huge functional limitation. Let's roll. Okay. So, abortive therapy for migraines. Classes. Mechanism of action. Give me some classes. Good. Huh? Well, it, it, I'm not sure directly. Oftentimes they're given. Oftentimes they're given right in the emerge. You know what I mean? Because we give with other medications, right? So I had emerge dots though. Yeah. And I didn't know that they were all too Yeah. 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 That was really interesting. I we do it a lot. You know what I mean? We do it a lot. I'm not sure if if there's rigorous because think about it. Where do most people come with migraine exacerbations? Most of them deal with their migraines like deal with their exacerbations at home. Does that make sense? Right? So remember, we're only seeing a very small number of people in the eMERGE with migraines, right? Versus the total population of people with migraines, right? Most people are going to either self-manage, you know, most, a lot of people are going to self-manage, right? So I'm not exactly sure. Yes, it's something that we do, like a bolus of fluid. I'm not sure if it's been rigorously trialed against sumatriptan or other things to say whether or not it works better, right? So those are serotonergic agents, right? So 5-HT agents, right? All right. We know that some of this is related to vasospasm and uh, um, uh, um, um, spasm of, of, of veins and related to relaxation, that type of thing. So these things help modulate that cycle. It's, it's basically on, on blood flow, right? All right, give me an example of one. Excellent. So sumatriptan. Excellent. Right? A whole bunch of triptans. Just know one. That's all I know, right? All right. Next, abortive medication. Come on, guys. Uh, huh? Good. You can use analgesics, right? So give me some analgesics that you can consider using. Acetaminophen. Acetaminophen. You want to be careful with it, right? If you're using it more than a certain amount, just to not get rebound, right? But it, it, is, a, it is an option for people with yeah. milder migraines, right? What else can you use? N? NSAIDs, right? Right. Acutely, what, what NSAID can we give IV that we know that actually works pretty well? Yeah, Ketorolac, right? Right? You know, I'm I'm not sure because I'm not sure if the caffeine is directly related. Like I know it's in a lot of the pills, like caffeine. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I know that like, yeah, I'm not sure exactly if it uh, if it's been studied itself as reducing migraines or so. All right, perfect. Okay, so that's good. So we have NSAIDs, right? We have things like acetaminophen. We have things like um uh, um um our tryptans. Give me another class. I would mention it. Right, ergots, right? So dihydroxyergotamine, right? Right? That's also a vasogenic agent, right? So, and it's thought to, now, does it have some pretty nasty side effects too? 
digital necrosis if you give it in high doses. You have to watch, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to be careful with it, right? Excellent. Give me another med class of medications. Good. Antiemetics. Right. So can I use things like metoclopramide? Yeah. Can I use things like perchloroperazine, right? So things like stematil and stuff? Yes, right? Have those been shown to be effective? Yes, right? So I can use those for acute migraine, uh, uh, migraine treatment. Can I use those in pregnancy? Yeah. Yeah, you can use that. So if I ask you a question on migraine and pregnancy, while this person's having really, really bad migraines, and if you're like, oh, I'm not sure about the tryptans, you know, with the whole, you know, placentas have veins as well, too. Are they going to be affecting things down there? You know, can I get away with maybe using some Maxarin? That would be okay, right? Good stuff. We're good so far? So antiemetics, right? We have tryptans. We have NSAIDs, right? We have dihydroxyurotamine, right? Mm -hmm. Opioids, yeah, we can put those under pain. Do we want to use those things first line? Yeah, we want to use opioids first line, right? How many people have ever seen this? Like, someone comes in with a bad migraine, it's like, oh, Demerol is the only thing that works. <laughs> have you guys ever had that before? It's like, Demerol, oh. You're not like the last doctor. He gave me Demerol. Does that make sense? I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I I hate using Demerol. I, I've, like, I hate using it. I can count the amount of times on one finger that I've given it, you know? It has this whole seizure threshold lowering thing, you know what I mean? Which is not uh, probably the, uh, probably not the best thing. So, so but I, I think we've all experienced, you know, we've all experienced a bit of that. All right, so for prophylactic therapy, give me some options for prophylaxis. Beta blockers, Good. So where we have the most evidence for is for beta blockers, right? And your prototypical beta blocker could be propanolol. Does that make sense? We're good so far? Yeah, tricyclics can be used as well too, right? Right? Calcium channel blockers can be used as well. Right? Hey, you know what, guys? Remember we talk about a trigger. What can let's say if you have bad migraines and I do this and I found out it's 180 over. That's why they think a lot of these things work, right? Right? Not only do they vaso, not only so do you want to make sure that you treat hypertension, especially if there's an older person with migraines? Yeah. Exactly, right? Where we have the most evidence for is for propanolol, right? But other agents that can be used, that's a beta blocker. We can use calcium channel blockers. You can use anti-epileptic drugs. What's that drug again, again? What's that anti-epileptic drug again with that indication for, because with T-topra? Yeah, topiramate, right? Topramax, right? That has an indication for migraine prophylaxis. That's in the general category of anti-epileptic drug, right? Yeah, you can even use antidepressants as well, too, right? You good so far? There's antidepressants, anti-epileptic drugs, beta blockers, calcium channel blockers. Good so far? Tripton.